Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Clipsal is a lockout. How was the crowd, Julie? Big crowd? 95,000. Record Sunday crowd. In fact, a record crowd for a V8 supercar standalone event. And for the four days? Uh, up 20-something thousand. I don't have the exact number. But either way, up 20,000 20, on last year. Okay. The record, Barry. The record. It's all I want to hear. Van Giers wins on his comeback. It's been, been great. It's been pretty overwhelming. And Craig wins the first race of a new season. Yeah, to be honest, our car you know, was fantastic, and, it, and it's been a credit to everyone at Red Bull. That's all coming up today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Here's the news brought to you by NoBrac Carbon Fibre Products. Shane Van Gisbergen has won the Clipsal 500 following his two-month sabbatical. It's been great. Uh, yesterday we had a mechanical, which was unfortunate. We were on for a podium again, but uh, two pole positions has, has been fantastic. So, yeah, look forward to next week. We're racing the Super Tour in Christchurch, and then it's busy after that. You can hear more from Shane on this week's White Flag Lap. The Gids did not endear himself to the media on Friday when he won the shootout. Um, uh, Michael Lynch from The Age in Melbourne. Shane... Two months ago, you walked out of the sports, said you were disillusioned and burnt out. What was the trigger? You say it was early January. What was the trigger that made you have a rethink about coming back into this caper? I did an interview earlier today with uh, James Phelps. Um, I think that'll cover it all. Um, And I'm finishing. I'm finishing. You can uh, read it tomorrow. I have no further comment about that today. I'm here to talk about racing. So you're not here to talk to the rest of the media, just just News Limited? No comment. No comment? On Sunday, he kicked off the media conference with an apology. Yeah, I I have to apologise to everyone for the other day, but uh, same again today. Happy to talk about the racing here. Craig Lowndes goes into the record books as the first winner in the new generation V8 supercar. He talked to the V8 insiders on Saturday about the win. You know, all the work and effort they've put into over Christmas to get not only our cars ready but the customer cars. I think it's and and to see the qualifying, I think four of our cars in the top six. So uh, it, it has been fantastic. Like it's it's been a treat. It's, it's it's probably the only way for drivers to give back to the team a bit of uh, you know a bit of thanks. Lowndes leaves the Adelaide event as the championship leader following his third place on Sunday. Came here to try and uh, do the best we can and obviously score maximum points. Uh, for the for you know obviously the weekend and obviously for the championship it's uh, it's been a, a really a, uh, a brilliant start we didn't quite have the car as we had yesterday 
uh, today. So that's something that we'll obviously work on and uh, um, get get uh, get organised and have obviously more information come our way after this weekend. But uh, all in all, it's been uh, been tremendous. It really has. It's, it's obviously uh, great for the guys. They've been working pretty hard to uh, to get where where we are today. V8 Supercars was rocked on Monday with the announcement that their newly appointed chairman James Strong had passed away. Strong was 68 years old. So what did the new generation of V8 supercars feel like to race? We asked a few of the drivers to compare them to some other forms of motorsport. Rookie Scott McLaughlin. Actually a lot like my New Zealand V8 Supertour, so um, I um, haven't taken that long to get to grips with it. Same with Alex, I think he's more used to this sort of thing as well. Shane Van Gisbergen. More closer closer to last year's car than a Supertour, but... um, Quite good. They've done a good job with the tyres and the rear end, so pretty impressive job. Craig Lowndes. Um, oh, they're closer to a GT car, like a Formula car or a side. You know, definitely got uh, you know more characteristics of flowing the car through corners and doing things like that. Scott Pye. And it is similar, uh, well, more similar to an open wheeler than, than what the old car used to uh, used to be. So they're a little bit more unforgiving at the moment. Two of the men instrumental in getting the new cars onto the track are Tim Edwards from FBR and Triple Eight's Red Bull Roland Dane. We asked both of their feelings Sunday night in seeking their hard work finally paying off on the track. Great to see the 28 cars actually turn up here in Adelaide and I think, well, you know, that, that was an achievement in itself because I'm sure there was a fair few people three months ago that were speculating, you know, oh, half the cars won't make it here. So, you know, credit to everybody in the pit lane that we actually got here and and, and put on a great show. Yeah, I think the teams have done a, a very impressive job, helped by um, one or two key people at, at V8 Supercars on the technical side. Uh, it shows the commitment of the teams to trying to do the best possible job we can. Uh, it's been very hard uh, from a time perspective, um, <clears throat> getting it all done. Uh, it's a big financial commitment for everyone as well. So, um, you know, I hope that's fully appreciated by everyone, exactly uh, the lengths we've gone to. For a number of drivers, the new cars provided them with some tough moments. Erebus lead driver Lee Holsworth suffering burns on his feet. And interestingly enough, there was a lot of drivers by Sunday evening limping around the paddock as well. Well... Holsworth's former teammate, now Norton 360 Nissan driver Michael Caruso, talked to the V8 Insiders about his cool suit failing in the first 17 laps of Sunday's race. It, when when the cool suit fails so early in the race, it um, obviously makes it very very hard. But um, when I have had it fail and pass on me, it's normally been you know 20 laps to go, so you can um, you know carry yourself across the line, I guess. But um, yeah, when you got 50 laps to do. Uh, with no cool suit, uh, yeah, it's yeah. That's the point when you, um, you know, when something actually can go wrong, and um, you know, the last thing I think we need at, at our team is to be repairing cars rather than improving them. We caught up with the colourful racing identity, Betty Clemenko. I, I don't tape anything. I'm just Betty, and like my husband says, you know, Betty does what Betty does. And I don't see any rules on the wall that says I'm not allowed to be emotional. I'm, I don't. I've come in as the first woman. I mean, there's no rules for the owners. There's no rules to tell me what I can and cannot do. Um, I mean, there could be a rule book saying that all owners must wear pants and a shirt. Well, hello, I've got a skirt on today. I don't expect other owners to wear a skirt, but I'm wearing a skirt. 
I take it as it comes. And if I'm going to be emotional, I'll be emotional. If I'm going to stand there and jump on my chair and do a victory dance, I will do a victory dance. You know, they can they can they can find me, but for what? Doing a victory dance or doing an ugly dance in public? I don't know, but I'm just going to be me. And if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. You can hear more from Betty on next week's White Flag Lab. In the Dunlop series, while Casey Stoner has certainly increased the profile of the championship, which we'll see all the Dunlop series events covered during the main game telecast, last weekend it was Chas Mostard who won the round with Ash Walt winning the first race of the year, whilst Chaz's teammate Dale Wood shared the podium at the end of the round we spoke to them all. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, you know, this guy standing next to me pushed me pretty hard in that last race. Not quite on me, but um, just uh, I guess I wanted... He uh, got the lap record in race one, so just in the back of my mind, I wouldn't have mind to have that. But, um, um, you know, he did a really good job and, and um, our, our team put um, two fantastic cars together and um, can't thank him enough. Dale, was it mean to lock in a deal for the year, unlike last year where it was going hand-to-mouth almost? Oh no, it's uh, it's it's obviously awesome. Last year, look, it was I was fairly sure I was going to get through the year, but it was uh, it was certainly tight. So you have to uh, you have to approach things very differently, and you're putting hours and hours of work in before each round, and just trying to make sure the budget's there. So to have this uh, the security in that this year is it obviously makes it a lot easier. Now I can just knuckle down and uh, and concentrate and on beat on the, beating this guy. Casey Stoner talked about his thoughts following his first weekend in V8 Supercars. No, we had a lot of fun and uh, everyone was really good to race with. Everyone gave racing room and, uh, you know, had a few battles there. So it was uh, it was very, very much enjoyable. So, um, you know, I wish we had another race tomorrow, but unfortunately that's it for the week. And finally, the latest edition of VRX magazine is now available with the inside story on Red Bull, the changes for 2013 and an interesting story about James Strong. You would be very interested to hear what his thoughts were about moving forward with V8 supercars. You can find it in stores today or online through the Mag Store for the iPod edition. And that's the news for Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. That's N-O-B-R-A-C.com. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Trackside here at the Adelaide Parkland Circuit in Peter Norton. And Adrian Mussolino, VRX and Inside Motorsport, teaming together here to wrap up what has been probably the most boring Clipsal 500 in some time, Adrian. It was tough watching, particularly Saturday. It, it was definitely boring until the final 15 laps of Sunday's race. We were all praying for a safety car, I guess you could say. And, and it's remarkable we didn't get one until the last 15 laps of the event, considering the new cars and this punishing track and... 
it did come alive there to the end. Um, predictable result in terms of who won, considering Shane was quick all weekend and ran away with that second race and probably should have been up there in the first had he not fluffed the start. But, yeah, boring compared to other Clipsals, but intriguing given the circumstances we found ourselves in this weekend. Peter, you were mired down in pit lane for most of the weekend and I think one of the things we were wondering what the car of the future might bring, or as I'm now going to officially term it, the new generation car might bring, was a lot of mechanical failures. And we saw mechanical failures very early or very late. That's right. And I have to really go back a long way to think about how often did we see cars with lots of smoke pouring out of them. It was quite a a frequent occurrence this weekend. And not just... um, you know, that the brand new manufacturers, um, although they did have their more than their fair share of smoky uh, endings, but um, yeah, I think a lot of people have tried different things and uh, the reliability wasn't there. But also quite interesting was when cars scrape a wall, the accident damage that they have to repair quickly, you know, it's different um, and they have to respond in a different way. And you know, they come into the pits thinking that it's just going to be a quick little uh, you know, change, a, uh, change a wheel. And no, it's not. They've got to take it uh, into the garage, pull out some drills and doing a whole lot more for uh, things that were reasonably straightforward normally. Adrian? I think we've got to remember with these new cars is they are totally new. Every aspect is. And we should have expected this, really. A lot of mechanical failures, especially with the new manufacturers. And um, it was always going to be a punishing test. I'm surprised, actually, so many finished. I think 17 cars were running at the end. That's pretty impressive, considering they were all new cars. Three cars were retirements on Saturday, Peter, but there was an argument made that because only half the field finished on the leader's lap, that you really should say, compared to the old car and the old system, which was very tried and true, really half the cars didn't finish the first leg of the Clipsal 500. I think that's a fair uh, way to sum it up. Um, People finished, but they struggled along. Um, Some just, if they didn't have uh, gremlins then they were simply slow, uh, and they were gobbled up by the faster guys. Um, There's a lot of teams that have a bit of homework to do. A lot of teams that have got uh, a bit of work to do after Sunday's race too, Adrian. Definitely. uh, Reliability was a particular issue for a certain group of teams. They were quick, but they were unreliable all weekend. And you look at FPR, they had issues across both races. BJR as well. Techno were quick, but, you know, had problems in Saturday's race. So I think teams will have learnt a lot from this weekend. You know, 500Ks under the belt. They now know what the cars feel like in race conditions. You can't simulate that in testing. So they know now know where to go. And, you know, arguably this is the most punishing street circuit on the calendar. So this was the biggest test for them straight up. Big ask, isn't it, to come to Clipsal? It's also the biggest stage. Sunday they lock the gates with 95,000 people purchasing tickets for today's event. And, of course the concert that we're all trying to quickly get this show done for to get to. Uh, what a fabulous um, promotion that they've all been through. Uh, Ken Block, Kiss, Casey Stoner, all of these other things that come together to make it an outstanding event. Uh, it's worth, uh, if you live in Adelaide, it was worth getting out of home and uh, you know, getting down here. Beautiful weather uh, and all of those different things. Something for everyone. The event is getting bigger and better. Ken Block... Well, I think it was Richard Crowell who said to us, Ken Block takes one photo on Instagram and already there's millions of people who have seen it. Great promotion, but it sounds like it might have been a dollar per impression because his fee was alleged 
allegedly, I should say, is about $1.5 million. No doubt. I mean, I'd love to know what the figure, the total figure of what the Clips of 500 organisers paid for Block, Kiss, you know, all those, Motley Crue. It would have been fascinating to see, but, you know, definitely they would have got a return, I think. Undoubtedly, there's never been so many international eyes on this event than this year when you consider Casey Stoner, you know, Kiss coming, Ken Block, all his social media stuff and videos and all that sort of thing. So, great for this event. I mean, the fact that it sold out, that, that's incredible. You know, 95000 on race day, that, that's impressive. And that just shows this event is the perfect start to the season because it just launches it all. If you put it into dollars and cents, if they've got 15,000 more people through the gate and they spend $100, less than $1.5 towards some of those appearance fees. You're sort of getting there pretty quickly with those sorts of numbers. Let's talk about on-track activities, and particularly Casey Stoner in the Dunlop Series. We saw probably for the first time that a Dunlop Series race on Friday getting live coverage, and it was a circus, really, and the circus was all about Casey. Oh, definitely, and you know, I noticed there were some fans who, on social media, were um, against that reaction and said, "You know, why does he deserve it?" But we have to remember he's a two-time world champion in a motorsport class, which is so competitive and so dangerous, and you know, the elite level. And he was always going to get a lot of attention here in Adelaide. He has Adelaide connections through his wife, and um, it, it was it added a lot to the event. I think, you know, especially that Friday night race. I've never seen so many people stay for that race, that support event, and. You know, I think he did well. I mean, obviously he um, put it in the wall on that Friday event, but on Saturday he really came through the field. And we have to remember, it's not so much a transition as just starting again. There's so little that he can translate from the bike to the car. And I was quite impressed. I mean, undoubtedly in the best team and car in that series, but still, you know, there or thereabouts. How was your feeling as you made your way around the circuit, Peter, with the Stoner Factor? I think the Dunlop series will be very thankful that he's there um, because it's uh, the relevance of the cars it doesn't connect now with the cars of the future. Some of the, the teams that previously supported a younger driver use it as a breeding ground. We don't have that same uh, investment. Um, sure, some of the big teams have a customer car in the Dunlop series, but it's purely dollars and cents. Uh, they're not reinvesting into the juniors like they did in the last couple of years. And if it wasn't for Stoner, there wouldn't be any real names. It wouldn't have the interest. You, know, you wouldn't have the uh, uh, McLaughlin, Percat, uh, Moset you know, kind of rivalry that kept it interesting last year. Um, yeah, that series needs Stoner, and uh, thankfully it's working out. Amazingly, though, 30 cars on the grid in the Dunlop series. They were going back around the corner. It was like the early days of the touring car support races where we saw cars round the bend at the end of the uh, front straight. It was great and obviously a lot of those cars were handed down from the main game teams who no longer require them and it's great to see that full field. Um, shame in a way that we've seen this sort of exodus to the Career Cup but that was to be expected as Peter said with the difference in cars And but I think what we'll see in the Dunlop series this year is the fields opened up a bit more now without McLaughlin, Percat, Pye most, uh, well most it's there but I think we'll see a lot more young guns coming through and Ash Walsh was probably the name that stood out this weekend and I think that's good to see that there is still that young driver coming through 
Ash Walsh, of course, winning on Friday, and then Chas Mostert winning on Saturday to take the round win. So congratulations to Chas, as you heard in the news. We need to take a break, but there's plenty more to talk about here on the V8 Insiders, live from the Clipsal 500. I should say live on tape from the Clipsal 500. We'll be back with more in a moment. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, hi, I'm Alexon Prema from the Fujitsu GRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Ravel alongside Peter Norton and Adrian Mussolino as we continue our chat here post Clips of 500. And I will stress we're waiting for Kiss. And uh, guys, interesting in the main game, a lot of, lot of talk coming into this weekend. And particularly Thursday is such an interesting day because there's no main game action. This year it had the Stoner Factor, which really got a buzz and a huge crowd here. But all the talk up and down that main game pit was cost cutting and who is you know going to be able to see the season through peter i find this thing the cost cutting and how the the economy is biting remarkable in other parts of the economy the pain was 3 years ago the big layoffs at you know banks financial institutions property um, what's remarkable now is that the other parts of the economy are improving and because of the the, the lag uh, through you know, multi-year contracts, now the eight supercars are uh, suffering the pain. Adrian, you you were hearing a lot of that chat too, and it, it was fascinating to hear where it was coming from because it wasn't coming from the players who we know have struggled just to get here to Adelaide out of Dick Johnson Racing. It was coming out of multiple garages all up and down pit, low, pit road. Definitely, and it's two factors here, not just the transition to car of the future. There's less income coming in from the sport itself through, you know, less platinum sponsors being sold and the TV deal and the lateness of that and the cut there. So there's two factors impacting teams. I think we've got to remember as well, the transition to car of the future has just happened. So there's going to be that initial hit. So we have to see in six months' time where Car of the Future stands and whether it is a cost-saving in terms of repairs and all that. So the question is, can teams make it to six months? Because a few are really pushing it, Dick Johnson especially. So, you know, it's tough times undoubtedly. You know, it's a lag effect from the GFC and um, it'll be interesting to see where we're at in terms of the end of the season and where teams stand. What other stories were you fascinated with this weekend? Because, as I said, Thursday was an amazing day for news and and just things happening all over the place where you, you don't normally see it. Yeah, I mean, the thing that you know stole my attention was obviously the new manufacturers and just you know walking in the paddock and seeing a V8 Mercedes. You know, we'd written so much about it and we knew it was coming and we'd seen them at the test day, but to see them here, especially considering how late that deal came about, I think the announcement was made in September. So pretty remarkable that Erebus was here, and I, I found Nissan's performance this weekend really impressive from you know a new manufacturer. Um, I think it's great for the sport. It's just added so much, and 
you know, let's hope this next six-month period teams survive and can move on, attract new manufacturers, and it can sort of see a swing as a result of hopefully a close championship battle, Casey, you know, around the paddock and new manufacturers in the game. Peter? Well, one of those, uh, I guess, interesting dilemmas coming out of it is the, uh, the guy who won today. His teammate has an unsponsored car. Um, I, I suspect the price of sponsoring that car went up because uh, they've, they've, they've proven that they've got good equipment, they're a team that knows how to win, and uh, you know, Jonathan Webb won't be far behind Van Gisbergen for long. Um, any potential sponsors out there looking for a, a plain canvas to uh, stick their signs on, that would be a good one. The Giz is a story in itself too uh, for those who, uh, well, you heard part of the press conference in the news, but you really need to set the scene because uh, it was an amazing change of atmosphere in the press conference after qualifying in the shootout on Friday. Yeah, well, the obvious question we all posed to him was what happened? I mean, you know, come November last year, he was disillusioned. He wanted to go back to New Zealand. He had enough of it, supercars, and here he is on pole position and winning races. And um, he wasn't prepared to tell that story um, unless you were a certain journalist for a certain newspaper who had that exclusive. Um, but, you know, he, it's a remarkable story that he is here, let alone in a position where he could go on and win this. If you know the pace he showed all weekend and in that Sunday race was, you know, incredible. It's a great car. There is backing for that entry, and definitely an amazing story when you consider what he's been through. I don't want to know what Ross Stone's thinking right about now because that could be interesting. And I don't think we've heard the last of this legal action. I think him winning will only spur on the angst from his former team. Would it be silly or disastrous from a PR point of view to now hit them with the injunction and to bench him? Because it really does look like sour grapes. You know, he's won, we've got to take him out. We can't beat him on the track, we're going to take him out however we can. Well, it proves he's a valuable commodity because he's a decent steerer. So it's interesting because you've got the Erebus side who now obviously own the team, but Ross Stone is very much in that setup operations manager i believe he still owns that number 99 license so it's an interesting scenario you know whether they'll do it or not i'm not sure the paddock chat is that they don't have a leg to stand on but you know who knows i'm not a lawyer and i i can't read fine print of contracts so i'm not the one that's the whole story is particularly polarizing because uh, people who are wandering through the, the garages, a uh, few of us have observed that Shane is smiling, he's more relaxed, he seems to be in a happy space. But he's got alienated a lot of people um, and uh, noted on the grid that uh, his helmet, plain black. We have a villain in a black hat. How good is this? Yeah, I've got to add, I've never seen Shane so happy. I mean, in those last six months, when the speculation started that he, how unhappy he was at Stones and the talk of depression and things like that, you know, I believed it because he just looked miserable. But this weekend, I mean, you know, he's smiling and happy and laughing and, you know, I asked the photographers if they could get shots of headshots of him and I can't believe how many have come back with him smiling because that wasn't the case the last couple of years, so... You know, from that perspective, it's great because he's a young guy, you know, good on him and hopefully his head is in the right place. Yeah, well, as he said to me, it's just a different atmosphere at Techno and he said it's a 
a, f- a very family-oriented team, which obviously was something that he was worried about at Stone Brothers. Yeah, and he can do his other things. You know, he's drifting in New Zealand and racing quad bikes, and clearly that was an issue at Stones that they, you know, perhaps prevented him doing that. We don't know for sure, but that seems to be the suggestion. So if that's what it takes, you know, it's clearly not distracting him because here we are and he's got the trophy. Saturday, though, it was the same old, same old Red Bull and FPR. Yes, I think that disappointed a lot of the people who were expecting the new manufacturers and the car of the future to reorganise the running order. Uh, Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people were very disappointed seeing that. You know, if you just look at the results, it was, why did we bother? Yeah, it's a tough one. Obviously, they're the two best teams. They're the best budgeted teams. They both debuted their car of the futures first. So we should have expected it. But and, and you know on Sunday a triple eight car won in the in a customer car. But you know I was encouraged by the pace of Gay Rogers Motorsport and Brad Jones Racing. Whether they can take it up to them, I'm not sure. I, I do think it'll be that two team battle again. And you know as I've said before, I think V8 Supercars needs to look at other parity measures if this is going to continue because we're in a situation where it's only today, first time since November 2011, that a team other than those two won, and that's not a healthy situation. Of course, uh, if we talk about some of the uh, other things that happened, we saw a number of rookies in this field, and McLaughlin being one of them, Scott Pye another, Blanchard, Johnny Reed, and uh, obviously the Dick Johnson drivers were having a, a tough weekend. Their cars are just completely underprepared. But for Pye in a Triple Eight car, and McLaughlin in a Stone Brothers, uh, you know, uh, Gary Rogers Motorsport car. Fujitsu racing car, they both really showed a lot this weekend. Absolutely, and you know, credit to all of those new guys. They, you know, for the most part, stayed out of trouble. Um, you know, some of them faster than others. But yeah, McLaughlin being at the, towards the, the pointy end uh, in his first proper race meeting. Uh, yeah, Gary Rogers has found some magic in those cars. Um, people would have thought, based on last year's uh, form, that they'd be in the second half of the field. Really. Um, yeah, I think that's exciting, seeing Gary Rogers, Brad Jones Racing, showing some speed. Uh, they just need to be able to put the little things together um, that uh, have derailed some of their efforts. I, I get the feeling we'll look back at today, a few years down the track, and think this is where it all started, because I think McLaughlin Pye um, and Mostert, who's still in the second two series, they will be the dominant forces in, down the track. And I, I really, you know, the performance they put in this weekend, to debut here in the main game is tough. I know they've done enduros, but when you're the main driver, that's a different sort of pressure. And to rise to the challenge, that was pretty impressive. And they're definitely the future of the series. Someone put on their cover, the lion is about to roar with this next generation car. Russell Ingle was the best of HRT and the Lion is really on the other two cars and Tanner and Courtney had troubles all weekend. Yeah, it it was slightly disappointing. I expected them to be in that front group and they never really were all weekend and they were sort of that second tier um, bottom end of the top ten which is where they were for most of last season so they've still got work to do. I think the pressure is really going to hit that team soon. A very telling, uh, perhaps slip of the tongue, but maybe it's their, their mindset anyway, was in the, the press conference. Uh, Jamie Wincup was uh, explaining how he felt about um, uh, one of the customer teams being faster and winning. 
And he said, yeah, it hurts a little bit because they are the factory team. Red Bull is the factory team. Uh, the people at HRT uh, were probably disappointed to hear that. Yeah, they haven't won now since, what, Bathurst 2011, am I right in saying? So uh, that's a pretty long winless drought for a, a factory team, and they've got work to do. They need to win a race this season to prove that all those changes behind the scenes are working because, you know, they started with a clean sheet like the rest of the teams this season, and clearly they're still behind the eight ball of Triple Eight and FPR. Erebus Racing is becoming a very interesting team, but Betty Klemenko has certainly done a lot this weekend to really stamp her authority on who's the boss and what she wants out of V8 Supercar Racing. I think she's a breath of fresh air in, in many respects. Um, sure, they didn't have the speed on the track. Um, I don't think she's used to that and she won't stand for it. And she's fortunate to be in a position where she can pour the resources in uh, I don't expect them uh, towards the back for long I think we've got to remember as well how late that deal came about and the fact that they're here is a win itself but um, she has big expectations no doubt um, and I'll add to what Peter said it is great having a, a character like that in the paddock and it's just so much more exciting when you've got four manufacturers you know, there's so many more stories and more interest. And, you know, we were here in the media centre watching, you know, who's the top Nissan and who's the top Mercedes. And it just, um, it, it's great. It's a breath of fresh air. Betty, you know, how many head honchos of Nissan were here this weekend? And, you know, it's great. It's added so much to this series. And I guess uh, finally, the big thing that I noticed, even on Friday when you and I walked into the track, Peter, how much merchandise fans were wearing even on Thursday now we got uh, numbers from Nissan on Saturday that they were up 55% on Jack Daniels and Nissan corporate wear and then on uh, Saturday evening I heard from Red Bull's people that they were actually getting very close to being sold out they'd already sold out of kids wear and uh, they were close to selling out for the rest of the program they were trucking more stuff in it's having a real buzz, uh, as Adrian's been saying. It's a real buzz about the new manufacturers, but I think, uh, uh, unfortunately, it also reflects the weakening sales position of Holden and Ford, that the average Aussie family no longer have one of those makes. Um, so yep, some of them have Nissans and other things. Um, yeah, this is a natural progression because of uh, you know, the world automotive market. Uh, I just had to that. The big thing I leave this track on Sunday night thinking is Ford really needs to get its act together because you're at a position where Nissan's coming on strong, marketing on track. Mercedes is getting a lot of attention through Erebus. You know, they're not a factory effort, but they're getting the attention. Holden has 15 cars on the grid, and there were times when a lot of the top 10 were red. And the factory team has, again, shown, proven to be unreliable. Dick Johnson's not in a position to be competitive so you know Ford really needs to get its act together because they could be buried here pretty soon well ahead of Ford was down in FPR today Sunday at Clipsal and hopefully he took from that he needs to uh, decide on their future and of course FPR's Ford contract is up this year it is. It's up at the end of the year, and obviously we don't know what's going on at Dick Johnson Racing beyond almost this season. So something needs to happen there pretty soon. 
whether it is all eggs in one basket with FPR, then they need to lift their game because you know already we're, we're leaving with Triple Eight, One Two in the championship, and you know Davison's, you know I think he's third, but he's, there's a points deficit. You know Winterbottom's down. Reynolds and Dav- Alex Davison never were really factors this weekend. So again, they're playing. You know they're behind the eight ball already. In a merchandising sense, and and I think it's a good bar- barometer of the you know the fan following and everything like that. Um, hopefully, those Ford executives uh, wandered through the. Well, for listeners who haven't been to Adelaide, they might not be aware that the Ford merchandise is over on one oval, and the predominantly Holden stuff is in a different area. Um, the Holden area was really kicking this year. Um, a lot of the companies involved have really lifted their game, their activation uh, of their sponsorships. It was a fun place to be. The Ford area was the same old stuff that we've seen for many years, and it just lacked the buzz. It, it lacked the hit. Um, if anything, the, the best PR for Ford was actually Ken Block. Yeah, there was a lot of Pepsi Max gear being sold, but you know, if it wasn't for that, it, it would have been pretty stale. And um, yeah, we're in this funny position where we're waiting for FPR to sort of announce this long-term Ford deal, but it's just not happening. And, you know, on the other hand, you've got Holden, who's signed big deals with the NRL, Collingwood, um, you know, Casey Stone is an ambassador house, so they've got all these mega deals, and Ford's just sitting there almost doing nothing, and it's really disappointing, and it's a real imbalance. I mean, 15 cars compared to six, that's a big sort of, you know, weight against one against the other and if it wasn't for new manufacturers coming in you know it would have been the Commodore Cup well guys great to catch up with you all here at Clipsal and I know that uh, for good and bad Melbourne is going to have some very interesting results yeah it's always an interesting event you know no points on the line different formats and things like that um It'll be an interesting event. I think it'll be a glorified test session, really. Um, now, with the cars, they've got a race under the belt. They'll see where things are at. Um, Tasmania is the big test, you know, in early April to see how these cars perform on a open, permanent track. Thanks for your time, guys. Thank you. Thanks. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, brought to you by Fujitsu, Australia's leading air, we caught up with Shane Van Gisbergen. Probably the busiest man in V8 supercars now. Congratulations, yeah. the fantastic way to start. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, yesterday we had a mechanical, which was unfortunate. We were on for a podium again, but uh, two pole positions has, has been fantastic. So, yeah, look forward to next week. We're racing the Super Tour in Christchurch, and then it's busy after that, but... Uh, yeah, it's, it's just awesome to be out there racing. It's been really, really fun weekend. The techno guys have been awesome, so look forward to the future. How different is this team to the last? Uh, you know, in, in lots of ways, but uh, it's a good good family team 
just want to go racing so uh, that's the best thing and that's what I'm enjoying most about it we're, we're here to race and get results of course uh, you've got such a busy racing program is yeah. you're racing carts you're racing yeah. drifting you're racing V8 supercars and super yeah. tourers I don't think I've missed anything there yeah. might be some rallying in there but yeah. is that what's giving you the excitement because of the diversity I don't know if you'd call drifting racing but it's something but uh, yeah it's, it's been great to go and drive all these other cars uh, it can't be bad for you you're always in the seat and you know the next six seven weeks I'm in a car so I see it as a good thing. I'm having a lot of fun doing it, so it's been good. Do you go back to New Zealand for Western Springs to watch the World Speedway uh, start of the championship there? Yeah, I went to about seven seven races over Christmas there, so if there's nothing on, I'll definitely go back. I missed it last year, but uh, it was a fantastic event there, so yeah, hopefully can get to it. On a serious note, how different are these cars to drive? Uh, well, for me, I've got a different team philosophy as well. The whole front end is different to what I'm used to, but also the rear end is quite new, so a little bit of reliability issues and worries, but uh, every team had issues, so we'll get on top of that. But, uh, yeah, over the bumps, quite different, but pretty good. More like the Super Tour in New Zealand, do you think? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that, no. More more closer, closer to last year's car than a Super Tour, but... Um, quite good they've done a good job with the tyres and the rear end so pretty impressive job well congratulations great way to start the year thanks a lot cheers my thanks to adrian peter along with the gears as the checker flag waves over another edition of the v8 insiders until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now join us next week for more v8 insiders only on v8x.com.au